0: And we're live. Welcome to another Savage Bloggers Network Hangout on Air. I'm Christian Serrano. And I am Ron Blessing. And joining us for this Hangout on Air are Ross Watson. Hello. And John Dunn. Thanks for the
1: opportunity to be here, guys.
0: Both of which are, both of whom sorry, are <laughs> of Via, who are here to tell us about Accursed, World of Morden. Thank you both for joining us this evening. Really, really appreciate you guys reaching out to uh, be on the show, and we're really happy to have you here. Thanks for having us, guys. We really appreciate it. Awesome.
1: Really excited to talk with both of you.
0: So, John, last time uh, we had you on a Hangout, we were talking about Thin Blue Line and the Kickstarter campaign. That was that was a really fun conversation. If anybody who's watching this or listening uh, to the podcast later, um, if you haven't checked that out, go check it out. It was great. Uh, Jason Marker was great. You were great. Um, it was a pretty successful campaign, and the product came out wonderfully. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you, Christian. That's really kind of you to say. We really enjoyed running the campaign, and uh, it was a bit of a nail-biter, though. Oh, uh, yeah. For a long time, we weren't sure if it was going to quite uh, hit the goal if we needed it to. But.
2: Christian and I felt like we were pulling it over the line, man. We were really hamming it up for people. I, I don't know if you heard some of the stuff we did, but...
1: I did, really and I really, very much appreciate it. Thank you. i
2: got to show this off. Because, oh, yeah. Um, oh, that map. This is my... That map. Really yeah. that map, indeed. <laughs> my beautiful map <laughs> here. Printed at the, uh, the the fine establishment known as uh, Drive Through RPG, and uh, sorry I went off uh, mic there for a sec, but uh, very cool. Comes in this uh, this neat uh, paper folder that shows the map also. So yeah, that very was very nice.
0: That was a really cool thing to get in the mail when I, once I got it. it was, yeah, uh, it was pretty nice to look
2: at. Well, while I'm plugging uh, <laughs> Kickstarted things, here's a. Here's a here's Tavern Glass from that uh podcast that Ross is uh familiar with. Indeed. Nice perfect
1: for your apple juice,
2: right, man? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's uh it's um it's uh apple juice and sprite, which is why it's so fizzy. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> nice head on that uh cider. <laughs> right. right, right. Indeed. All right. <laughs> so what happens the, when you mix us. when you mix apple juice uh into uh Sprite. That's right. Right out of the can. Yeah. Don't try that at home, kids. No, don't. <laughs> so
0: uh, so speaking of Kickstarters, the reason why we have you guys here is to talk about the, uh, the, the World of Morden Kickstarter for Accursed. Um, John, why don't you give us a little bit of background information on that uh, before we get started and just kind of tell us what it's all about.
1: Sure. So we've had a lot of people come to us saying we want more information on the World of Morden, and we've been trying to figure out the best way to do that, and we've... Honestly, we've been looking at different ways of trying to approach the issue for practically two years now, going back to after we wrapped the first Accursive Kickstarter, um, because, you know, you got to make the numbers balance, but you got to be able to produce a high-quality product, and ultimately it looked like the best way to accomplish that goal was to go back to Kickstarter, because people have been asking for it, and we're pretty sure that, uh, well, we were pretty confident that people would respond to another Kickstarter approach. And so the way we wanted to do that was by funding a series of books. Uh, we liked the way that Sand and Stone came out. Uh, Chris Avalon and George Sites just knocked that out of the park in our mind. And so we were thinking we could do another series of books and initially we were looking at doing two where we do Valkenholm Steppenrad and Manrea and Karen Kynan. But then we thought you know we kinda want to be able to cover The Outlands and the Discordian Sea and so that turned it into three books and we thought to balance things out it would make more sense to do uh, Manrea with the Discordian Sea and the Outlands with Karen Kynan, just because those settings kind of complemented each other a little bit better right. than trying to yeah. go both edges. Mm-hmm. And that's where we came to the Kickstarter.
0: Nice. So uh, you've got a few stretch goals on that Kickstarter campaign as well, beyond just the uh, the, the, the main book, which was uh, Frost and Fang. Um, tell us a little bit about the stretch goals that, that you got lined up in there.
1: Sure. So the first, like I said, we planned it as a three book project and we wanted to make it modular. So that just hedging our bets, and that's why we. I mean, we're thrilled that Frost and Fang has already funded. Thank you very much to everyone that's backing us. And first twenty-four hours. The word about that. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was a very pleasant surprise. So thank you for that.
0: A little um, bit different than uh, than Thin Blue Line, right? <laughs> just, just a little.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, modular approach here seems to have benefited us tremendously. Yeah, but. Uh, so Frost and Fang focuses on Balcon Home and Stepengrad And then the next one is Science in the Sea, which is Manrea and the Discordian Sea. Uh, Jason Marker is writing the Discordian Sea section, he's already turned in a draft of that. Some slacker named John is doing Manrea, and that isn't quite finished yet. Um, but it will be in the <laughs> distant future. Yeah, um, now
3: Manrea is super cool. It's basically Clockwork Italy. With a lot of oh, Return Oz thrown in there. It's it's a really neat place to go. I mean, I'm a little jealous that John's
1: working <laughs> on it, frankly. <laughs> um, fortunately, Ross is able to assuage some of that jealousy by the fact that he gets to do Karen Kynan for Bone and Barrow, which yep. is his baby because not only is it zombies uh, and other undead, it's also Scottish zombies, so...
3: Scottish Welsh, you know, I I basically I like to think of it as uh, a dark fantasy version of of Prydain from uh, you know the old uh, the Book of Three,
2: the Black Cauldron, those books, yeah. The Chronicles of Prydain. Yes. Oh man, Uh, the the uh, believe it or not, Terran Wanderer. Yes. Was a. one of the books that was required reading, or not required, but uh, summer reading that we could choose when I was in uh, uh, grammar school, awesome. and so, so I I saw that it was like book five or whatever, and I was like, well, I've got a whole summer, so <laughs> I, <laughs> I read the whole series to get to nice. that book because even then I was that kind of OCD that I needed to I needed to know everything. You have to collect them all. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like I'm, Pokemon. About yeah. the assistant pig keeper. So. No, that, that was actually a reason why I never played G- with G.I. Joe's, because there were too many, and I knew I would have to collect them all. See, <laughs> I did end up collecting them all because I got lucky. Um, I would not play with He-Man because the figures were a different size than G.I. Joe. Since I <laughs> six inch is, actually was playing with three and three-quarter inch. That
1: right. is totally fair because G.I. Joe could play with Star Wars, right?
3: Totally.
2: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Can I tell a quick G.I. Joe story? Yes.
3: Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I'm at Gen Con with my friend Michael Serbrook and we're wandering the halls looking at people in costume and just sort of enjoying the whole con. And we end up behind this guy who's got this uniform on with a big orange vest and orange helmet and G.I. Joe markers on him and he looks awesome. And I'm like, I, I don't remember this guy, but you know, he definitely looks like he fits in with G.I. Joe. So we stopped him and we got a picture of him and everything, and he's just, you know, doing his pose and he looks great. And I said, dude, which G.I. Joe are you? And he looks at us, and he goes, Skidmark. And we're like really? And he says, you don't get to choose your code name. (laughs) Nice. And you know
2: what? Nice.
3: There is an actual G.I. Joe of that name. He drives a vehicle called the Desert Fox or whatever. But we were just like, dead silence. You could hear a pin drop in the hallway. Everybody around him was just like, whoa, absorbing the whole (laughs) code name
0: thing. That's awesome. I I think
2: that Snake Eyes could have taken Darth Maul out even faster than uh, Qui-Gon Jinn. Oh yeah, no doubt. Obi-Wan. Blasphemy. <laughs> what about so, robot legs, Darth Maul? Oh, robot legs, Darth Maul. That's rough. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so
0: you, wow. So, you guys, uh, you guys mentioned that um, a lot of fans wanted more depth out of uh, Acurse out of that setting, out of Morden. Um, but what, what exactly inspired? you know, wanting to dive into this and like what was the trigger for you guys that said, you know what, let's do this. Let's let's, you know, what determining what level of depth you wanted to go into and and so on.
1: So Ross likes to say that I've got a decent business sense. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And that kind of governs the depth to a strong extent because I'm gonna look at any project and say, where can we at least think we'll break even? And okay. so I had to look at that and say, okay, what kind of page counts can we afford to do? And that's where we came out with we can manage about 30 pages for each of these separate ebooks at the price point that we've set. And I, because I felt like that was a fair price point, that was a fair amount of depth. And so then it was a matter of building out from a business model to a content level and making sure that the two complemented one another and were consistent so that we were able to have to do the project and cover the stuff we wanted to cover, but to make sure that we were doing it in a financially responsible way.
3: Well the thing the so, thing of this is when we when we created Accursed it was such a compelling idea, right? We all just were like, this is it, this is the thing we're gonna do. Right. And it fired up our imaginations like crazy. I mean we were all we were basically, John was helping rein us in from like, I want to do all of this stuff. And, we, and basically when we came up with the Accursed Core book, you know, that is what we fit into our original plan. But we had all of these great ideas. I mean, there were outlines and stuff lying around for the other uh, portions of the world for a long time. Uh, One of the stretch goals we managed to hit on the original launch of Accursed was for a setting book called Sand and Stone, which, as we talked about earlier, was just really, really good. And so George and Chris, when they wrote that book, kind of set a standard. And John and Jason and I were all like, man, you know, I'd really like to get back in there and write about this this other part of the world. Uh, That was already something we'd been thinking about. And then we had this big... Groundswell of appreciation and and support from our fans, and the most commonly asked question we always were asked was, when are we going to learn more about the world of Morty? So that's when this Kickstarter uh, that we're we're doing right now, that's when that kind of came to life as an idea. We're like, let's let's do this. Let's find a way to make it happen because. We want to do it. We're so excited about this idea. Our fans are really excited about this idea. Let's make it happen, and we'll, we'll, we'll fill in where Sand and Stone sort of blazed a trail. We'll fill in the rest and get that world out there for uh, the people that love it.
0: Well, I will say firstly that based on what I've read of Frost and Fang, which you know I, I went through the whole through the whole uh, PDF.
2: Um,
0: yeah, you guys, you guys, I think you nailed it as far as what you were talking about, John, with price point and, and depth, um, and and also what's covered, because it's not just background information. You also have the edges and things like that that we'll we'll get into that a little later on. Sure. Um, but um you know, but also, you know, you are bringing about that richness that people have been wanting, at least I think you have. Because um, I when I, I compared the content to the Accursed Core book and, you know, the Accursed Core book the, each of the regions they go into, the history and, you know, talk a little bit about the people and so on and what's happened with them um, but this, this goes into a level of depth that I think is 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 going to be really good for people to grab onto, is you know for role playing and things like that. And again, well, you know, we'll get into that. Um, but yeah, all that to say, uh, yeah, you guys, you guys definitely uh, hit the mark on that.
2: I I want to actually step back to to part of you know John's original statement and applaud the fact that you are considering this from a business standpoint. Um, yeah. What I really like, what I really like, is that as a backer, by the way. While we were talking at the beginning, I went and backed it. Yay! Thank you. <laughs> so, so I'm nice. a backer. Um, I just haven't been anywhere near like personal internet access in, in forever. But anyway, um, I went ahead and backed it, and and I love the fact that you talk about budget and you talk about making sure it's a sound product because there are so many uh, pie in the sky, uh, you know, uh, Kickstarter's out there. Right. And and I think it's a problem that needs to be addressed in our whole hobby. Because you know, the friendly local game store is a similar situation, right? So many people that are hobbyists but not business people run start stores. And we just had a store here in my town uh that was somewhat popular closed down because you know, the the business wasn't meeting the uh the hobby. And Hearing, you know, a publisher actually especially in a form like Kickstarter where really there's a lot of pie in the sky stuff happening, it's so nice to hear you talking about an actual publishable you know, we can do this at this goal, we need X money to make it this cool. It's it's such a breath of fresh air. Thanks, Ron. That's kinda of you to say.
3: Yeah, John is totally the Kickstarter guru, man. If you <laughs> he is the guy I always run to when I'm like, I got a question, can we make this work? Is there a way to make this profitable? And he's just like, well, no, but there's <laughs> right. but there's another way we can approach this, you know. He's like that guy, right?
0: So so something you mentioned um uh, earlier Ross when when you were talking about like the content and, and expanding on it, um was this con- were these these content ideas uh, you know, for the for the different regions and whatnot. Were they things, were they ideas that you had already had in mind or jotted notes down for when you were working on the core book, but you know, was it a page count issue that you said no, we can't include that, or you know, so kind of expanding on the on the uh, you know, the costs, you know, page count issue.
3: Some of these regions definitely we had a lot of uh, ideas and stuff for ahead of time. Um, basically, like for for the Accursed core book, like Falconholm is four pages, okay. Mm-hmm. And I put a lot of material in, into those four pages, but I had, like, all of these ideas about the, the village of Scars, and uh, there was this one section. That, I mean, there's actually, like, a, we had an appendix in our, one of our original drafts of all the things we had to cut for space. And uh, so, so a lot of that stuff ended up trickling down. But also, there was things that evolved over time during play, because when Acrusa came out in 2013, we started running it at different conventions and running it uh, for home groups and things like that so portions of the world also got developed during actual play by by people who you know wanted to go to the, the, the uh, Notchitore, which is this crazy clockwork tower in Manrea. and so I'm like, well, I have to decide what that's all about now, right? And and so by the, by the time we we'd gotten to the point where we're going to do this this Kickstarter for the world of Morden, we had the, we had the original ideas from the from the start, but we'd also developed and expanded and and uh, you know grown those organically through play. And, and people getting involved in building their own stories and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of both. There's, there's that, uh, the act of creation, you know, when you're writing it uh, for the first time, and then there's the, the, the evolution of it over time. So it's, it's a lot of that is, is wrapped up in this, uh, this project. We're, we're really happy and proud of, of what it turned out to be because uh, I got the chance to tell all the things I ever wanted to tell about Falcon home in uh, Frost and Fang, which was awesome, because there was yeah. all these
0: things. It's like, now you have that outlet, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And then everybody else gets to enjoy it, too. So. Well, that's the plan. Yeah, <laughs> that's the idea. Excellent.
1: Yeah, when we uh, went and created Accursed, there was kind of a breakdown between Ross and Jason and I about who got which parts of the world to play in, but we all, mm. so we all, you know, had ideas, but then we, like Ross said, we all had stuff that, we have so many pages and so yeah a lot of it got cut we have a outline Bible floating around file somewhere that uh, includes you know what each of our visions were for each of the different areas and yeah there's a lot of stuff in that Bible that still hasn't been touched on and may (laughs) never be but uh, it's we had a lot of ideas and we had you know, a limited page count. As it was um, a curse, it ended up being, I think, about eight pages longer than we originally planned for it to be, <laughs> just because it boiled down to a, huh, that took up a lot more space than I thought it. Was. Right,
0: right. As it happens, right? Yeah. 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 Excellent. So... um the uh, I I guess yeah let's uh, since we're talking about the product you know already uh, let's go ahead and dive a little bit deep deeper into this um for those who haven't or you know really explored the product yet um would you say this is a product for GMs for players or for both because I, I I you know there are some edges in there there's a lot of cultural stuff in there that I think a player could glom onto but it also seems to have a lot of information that might be um that GMs might use as a tool right
1: I I would be comfortable saying it's actually more player focused Mm -hmm. than GM focused though GM's are certainly going to benefit from it but the big thing is we're diving into the cultures and as we dive into the cultures and the personalities and the places those are hooks for your player character those are background bits you can tie into those are personality quirks you can tie into certainly we're introducing new edges and new hindrances certainly we're introducing a vast number of hooks for adventures and stories and we're including more Banes and yeah the players probably aren't going to use the Banes explicitly and they're probably but they might actually link into a story hook and say hey my character wants to go to this place at which point you know there's a collaboration there between the GM and the player in developing an adventure
0: right right yeah there's definitely a lot of richness in, this, in that regard I'm, as a player um, whenever there's a setting that has this level of detail, I I love it because it's something that I can bring to my uh, t- to my character and, and to make my character more alive, and um, and just glomming on those little pieces and and making those as like aspects of of their personalities. So I think this is this is exciting in that regard for me at least.
3: I, I hope it's, it's exciting for a lot of our fans, too, because if we if we can continue to expand the world of Morden, we can actually get into some of these things that John was talking about, the ideas that uh, we've had and have never really gotten a chance to get into. I mean, I was just glancing at the, the setting Bible just now, and I realized, like, we, we, we talked a little bit about what what, what it actually lies beyond the Darkwall Mountains, which is basically the border of, of Morden. We right. talked about, uh, this is kind of a, a cool thing, I don't think we've ever said anything before, but there, we've talked about who is in charge of the Unseelie Fae. A uh, guy called Iran, the Pale King. Stuff like that. It's it's really we have tons of, of new banes and stuff we haven't even gotten into yet either. So yes. Yeah. Right. And, and witch breeds
1: that we haven't gotten into. And yet. witches that we one haven't the, gotten, yeah. One no. of the things that we ran into was we wanted to make sure we left white space for GMs and players to have fun right. with. Right. Absolutely. That's that was a Limitation for us in some ways as well, um, right? Yeah, because it's easier to just run it, right? We're not going to intrude on that too much with the new material.
2: But yeah, okay. no, I, I well, don't think you will. These are all options anyway, right? I mean, that's the nature of that's true.
0: And and GMs are
2: going to uh, do no, no.
1: Actually, uh, part of the Kickstarter money is for Ross's airfare. He's going to be banging down the doors of GMs who do not follow these rules. <laughs> right. Okay. We do have a level called Rent a Ross
3: where, for a certain a certain value, I will fly out and run a game for you.
0: That's right. Yeah, I
2: saw that. that was <laughs> See, I'm lazy. I'll just wait till you're in <laughs> and uh, co opt you oh, that's for a couple days, maybe with uh, I don't know a roommate or something, and uh, we'll GM for beer. <laughs> we'll GM for beer. I will run games for beer. That's that's uh, that's something I'll do. Nice. But no, that's great. You know, uh. It's funny because of all the times, Ross, that you and I um, were together at Genghis Khan, right. I never got to play in a game that you ran.
3: That's right. I, re- I played in your game of Iron De- a Dynasty, but I,
2: I don't yes. think you played in my game. So I, I tried multiple times, and the one time I was uh, uh, totally ready. I was like 45 seconds late, and they gave my seat away <laughs> oh. <laughs> because of the timing, but... Um, but but it just never came about. It never came about, and uh, I was totally going to use my my uh, my political muscle to 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 force myself into a game uh, that where uh, when Sean was out there. But uh, then I moved. <laughs> so so what I'm saying is you have to jam a game.
3: Yeah, so, well you know I I would love to. Uh, you can ask uh, you can ask anybody. I run a pretty decent game,
0: so. That's why I wanted to get in. You're you're legendary, dude. (laughs) So, so Ron, what I I think Ross is saying is that there's this Kickstarter they're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. I've I've got a
3: lot of one-shots that I've ran over the years for Cursed, and some of them, uh, you know, we, we have the one that became the Gen Con special game for our backers. Which we ended up publishing called Follow the Tower, which is a really cool one where it involves stealing airships and using gunpowder to destroy an entire castle and stuff like that. It's pretty badass. We've got a—I uh, I actually did some one-shots that cross over between uh, the evil beagle setting of Shintar and Accursed. Oh right, um, yeah. And John actually wrote one called Darkest Tides, which does the same thing. Uh, so yeah, there's there's a lot of cool adventures I would be happy to run for you that are, are set curse it or you know any of the other things I've worked on. So we'll make it happen. That's a promise.
2: Good times, good times. That's a promise, oh, but, everyone. But I heard so many good things uh, about about the games that you've run over the years, and uh, it's just funny that we never we never got to to do that. So. And you got to play in one of the worst games I ever ran. For I had a freaking ball in that game. I, that you know what's awesome. funny? Because I felt like it was the worst thing I did. And everybody afterward was like, that was awesome. You need to do that more. I'm like, what? Okay. That's <laughs> what happens
0: when you're a GM. It's a GM fate, man. It's, just, uh, it's the GM's curse, right? You're, you're right. the most critic.
2: Yeah. Right. Oh, man. And anyway, I'll, I'll stop derailing us for the moment. but uh, Yay. Yeah. <laughs> this is all good. Uh, this makes for good radio, right? <laughs> Damn, John. John. So, so let's talk about um, kind of like the... For me, I'd like to hear more about how the book is not... Laid out is the wrong word, but how the, the book is presented. The organization. Um, the, the organization of the book. Thank you.
1: So... I mean, we're uh, assuming we're able to fund everything and we're able to do the World of Morden book. It's going to be a chapter for each of the six nations and then an additional one for the Outlands and one for the Discordian Sea. And the presentation in general, we start off with just a background of the setting of each nation, a general overview, and then dive into cultural characteristics. Uh, Things like, you know, the history of the culture how they diverged from the other groups, the other nations of Morden, and then any kind of special cultural traits, festivals, things like that. Geographical landmarks. Absolutely. How they define themselves. And then after that we generally get into a major city. Um, I think it's the capitals across all six of yeah. the nations, if memory serves.
2: Yep, yes. Um,
1: and then after that, and then you know, the key political players within that major city, and then a look at the neighborhoods within the city, trying to dive into a fairly solid overview, not, you know, a voter's guide, but uh, a decent enough look with enough hooks that that city will feel distinctive from other fantasy-setting cities. Um, And then after that, looking at some other parts of the nation, and then the Banes that trouble different areas, trying to link them in with the areas specifically where we're talking about them.
3: Sometimes we talk about some of the smaller settlements as well in each of the, uh, the regions. We talk about some of the organizations or uh, you know, clubs or guilds, for example. Uh, the Alchemist Guild is one that I talked a little bit about, for example. And uh, the edges and, and hindrances, of course, which allow you to make a character
1: directly from one of these places, which is uh, one of my favorite parts. Um, yeah, and I the edges and hindrances. I just want to jump in that's something that we really want feedback from backers uh how they feel about the how those are constructed I know there are a lot of people out there with very strong feelings about what makes or breaks a balanced edge or hindrance in savage worlds and while we have our own opinions we definitely want additional feedback on those
0: yeah I really liked um the one particular edge uh, fatalism because when you first read that that name I'm thinking that sounds like a hindrance. And you're going through the details of it, you know, which by the way, the descriptions on these edges are are super rich. I I, I love the detail on it. It's you know, it, it adds a lot of role playing element to it. But then finally you get to that last part and you're like, Wow, these guys are so just fatalistic that they can just ignore one level of a wound modifier. That's they're just like, you know what? F it. <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: I got nothing to lose. You know?
3: That's that's the motherland for you. That
2: yeah. reminds me of a uh, Munchkin card from uh, Munchkin Bites. Um, it, it's one of my all-time favorite cards. It's the Armor of Ennui. <laughs> Whereas your distaste for everything is so much that you get plus one armor. <laughs>
0: nice. <laughs> nice.
2: So That sounds like the Accursed Equivalent. <laughs> Yeah.
0: <laughs> Very yeah, there's, cool. There's some but I I do like how the edges really tie into this culture that you're just now reading about, you know, and and, and bring it into a mechanic that you can employ in gameplay. Um and one of the things I was a big fan of way back when we in Forgotten Realms in 3rd edition and I think they eventually did it for Greyhawk as well was regional feats. Oh yeah. Um, and this kind of reminds me of that and it was a way to bring the culture and role playing to a mechanic. Um, so I I think that's that's pretty cool. Really well done. Thank you. Yeah. And um, yeah, and even on the culture aspect, like you know, opening up in the first chapter, um, you're talking about family and the church and things like that. Again, you know, those are things that you can bring to to your role-playing experience. I think Um, really good stuff in here.
3: Well, I think that's the strength of the setting is really again in that compelling idea, and it it kind of transitioned into our writing where we Mm -hmm. started getting into this really immersive uh, aspect of each of the cultures where you we were like, well, let's how do, they, how do they feel about the church? How do they feel about the accursed? How do they feel that their land's been conquered? And it really, I, I think, uh, it's, it's due to the the strength of the settings, uh, overall themes and tropes that bring it down to that feeling like, okay, I know what these people are really like at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. And uh, I credit uh, Rich Baker as one of my inspirations when he, writ, uh, he did the setting back in the the '90s uh, for second edition D&D called uh, Birthright, which had a very strong semi-historical approach, and I learned a lot of of the the techniques and things that I
0: used on Accursed from from that. Nice, very nice. And the sidebars that you even have are just nice little extra bits as well. <laughs> we love the sidebars. Oh, those are great. <laughs> when I was reading Zar Nikolai I'm like, oh man, I I actually feel sorry for the guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're fantastic. So, um, so let's talk about some of the creatures you've got. You've got creatures that are specific to some of these regions. Uh, mostly, uh, it seems to me that they were they were created by, um, uh, like you know, Baba Yaga, for example, and and, and so on, for specific purposes. Um, I, I have to say, my my favorite is the Blood Maiden. Thank you. I'm not going to spoil it. I'll let anybody who's going to back it read it. Um, <laughs> It is super creepy and super cool. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, so tell, can you t- tell us about some of the creatures and how, how they came to be.
3: Well, one of our goals when we created Accursed is we said, you know, we want our monsters to really evoke a certain feeling in people when they read it. They should have this sort of shiver go up their spine and go, man, I would never want to see that thing in real life. Right. Just We call it the ick factor. <laughs> right and oh. <laughs> yeah, one of our one of like for example, one of the first banes that came up was actually from the Blood Witch, uh, who rules uh, Valkenholm, and it was the the Leech Man, and I loved the idea of this you know utterly boneless slimy black thing with a huge maw full of teeth that's going to suck your blood out, and and just the idea of some six foot tall creature looking like that makes a lot of people just go oh my god I don't want to ever see that in real life. Right, and that sort of response is what what uh what guides a lot of our decisions on making monsters. We want to make some really memorable, icky monsters that you're just like, I have got to get rid of this thing. I don't want to. I don't even want to be around it. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean,
0: and it's even fun for a GM to be able to present that, you know, and and uh, present that that encounter that experience to the players and, and watch their reactions to it. That's yeah.
3: Now that being said, like each witch has their own flavor that trickles down to their monsters as well you right. talked about Bobby Yaga, a lot of her monsters are so tied in deeply with the cultural myths and and themes of Steppengrad that they feel more like uh, they, they feel like a, a mythos they feel like they're all connected to a larger uh, cultural storytelling uh, oral tradition kind of a thing right right and all of the uh, all of the blood witches creatures have some kind of connection to blood mm-hmm Right? All of the Chimera's creatures are some kind of weird Frankenstein, this head sewed on somebody else's body thing. Right. right? So there's, there's, an, there's a flavor that also comes down directly from the witch that created the monster. So you can kind of tell. Uh, we've organized them in groups. They're called witch breeds. So you can kind of tell, like, you know, that's a creature of this witch, and that means certain things. It means, like, it's vulnerable to a particular... Uh, it's vulnerable to a particular attack. Like, a, if it's a creature of... Bobby Yaga, silver is going to be more effective. If it's a creature of the blood witch, wood is going to be more effective against it. And it, it again, I think it having that consistency really ties it into the world and makes it feel more alive and more uh, for lack of a better word, it, it helps you feel more
0: real. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. Versatility. That's what I'm looking at. Versatility. Right, right. Um, yeah, because then when you think about like, if I were living in this region, I'm fighting against these forces. There are certain things that I'm gonna, certain like like you said, certain weaknesses I might identify, for example. And there's a theme there now, so I can I can there's as a role player I can focus on that, and uh, or even as a GM I can focus the party on that, um, if I chose to. Um, and and oh, by the way, Bloodrunner was another favorite edge of mine too. I oh, that was thanks. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Is that yours too?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I wrote all of the volcanoes. Jason Marker did all of the stepigraphic stuff and he's going to be so happy to hear how much you like the things that he wrote
0: so. Nice. Thank you. Nice. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was definitely cool. So um so John, what about you? Are there any particular favorite aspects of uh, you know, of, of the products?
1: So, one of the things Ross was talking about tying things in and you, he mentioned specifically how Baba Yaga is so linked to the land. One of the things I really like in the process of creating the Banes is the fact that whenever possible, we tried to go back to mythological origins. So the Banes that you're seeing out of Stepping Grad are all linked into Eastern European or Russian legends and myths. And we didn't just, you know, dust off the mythology text and go, oh, that's exactly how it is. No, we, you know, took it and looked at it and said, all right, how can we twist this? How can we tweak this? How can we make this even more... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> could,
0: without... Turn it, up, turn it up to 11, so to speak. Yeah,
1: but without, you know, <laughs> crossing, let's say, the boundaries of good taste.
0: Oh, sure. Uh, right. Yeah.
1: And I think we achieved that in a lot of places. I think some of the artwork is going to reflect that as well. Um, if you look at the Kickstarter page, we've got a really cool-looking monster um, about two-thirds of the way down. It's got, like, a cyclops wolf head and these nasty... Things coming off of its claws, or nasty claw, claw, claws coming off of its hooves, actually. Uh, that's a interpretation of a Russian mythology guy. That's the Soglov, I believe, is how it's pronounced, from Frost and Fang. Um, higher up the page, we've got uh, uh, one of Ross's creations also in the artwork there. Um, the Chiroptorin. Yes. It's a mad yeah. bat. The Tropteran was Camille Jadzik, the um, Soglov, I believe, is Maro Peroni, uh, who, uh, this is the first assignment he's worked on for us, but uh, I really like the way that both of those turned out as just, you know, a great vision of a really twisted thing out there. Um, I've got a couple other sketches, but I don't know if there's a good way for me to show them here. Um of some stuff that's upcoming for uh, Science in the Sea, also. Uh, One of the monsters that we had previously mentioned as a bane of the Chimera is the Stench Goblin, and that's one of the ones that will be going into the Manrea section there, and I'm looking forward to showing that off. It's got uh, the head of a lynx, the body of a monkey, and the tail of a skunk.
0: (laughs) Nice. Very nice. Yeah, the... uh... The one-eyed wolfman thing. <laughs> that was. I remember when I was reading that. And I was like, Oh, it's like a null. And I'm like, Wait, one eye in the forehead. Wait a minute. What? What long, you know, claws and hooks coming out of its hands. And then I saw the illustration. I was like, Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, that was a um, that was a really cool uh, cool creature.
3: Yeah, so this is basically what we're talking about. These world hooks, they provide you with edges and hindrances and bad guys to fight yeah. and lots of adventure hooks and places to go and people to see. So they really are pretty much for everybody. I, I, you know, John says uh, they're really good for players, and I definitely agree on that. Um, but they're also good just you know, if you're a fan of the setting or if you're GM looking for more stuff to do. That's, that's, that's going to be a very handy thing for you, too. So,
2: so one of the things about coming up with unique creatures is you, you need to be able to visualize them. Mm-hmm. Um, how, much, how, how many of these creatures are going to have art? Um, or is it going to depend? All of them.
1: <laughs> all of them. No. <laughs> <laughs> Initially, it's probably only going to be about one creature, per one bane per nation that will have artwork. If we can hit certain stretch goals, it might be more. But cool. that's a little ways off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it it depends on
3: how you know we do with this Kickstarter, but um our, our initial ally was to do at least one uh, per per region. Cool. Right.
0: cool. Well yeah, it, it, artwork is certainly one of the more expensive aspects of uh, producing a, a product for RPGs. So. I, well I don't
2: see this Kickstarter not blowing up. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. But one of the things that we're really proud of too
3: is that it has a very distinctive look. It has a very distinctive style. Yeah. And there's a there's a certain level of quality there when it comes to artwork. So we're not just going out and grabbing some dude off DeviantArt, right? We have we have certain artists that we've got a great relationship with, uh, with that, that turn in some fantastic stuff. And so, it's, you know, we work with the right people to make the right pieces. If you look at some of the covers that we've got up on the website, for example, you'll see, you know, just kind of how badass uh, our guys are. And so, yeah, when, when we talk about art, it's really a question of quality over quantity. We go for the really good really strong, evocative pieces of art uh, rather than just kind of shovel a whole bunch of black and whites in there and let you, you know, oh, this is sort of what it looks like. That's not going to happen in an accursed product. Mm-hmm. You'll never see that. I
2: I have an idea for uh, a product, but I'm going to talk to you about it offline. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 to just have this... a lot of
1: cheap black and white art into a book?
2: <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's it's a really cool idea that I should probably not share in front of the entire audience.
3: Have you guys heard about Brand X? It's got black and white artwork in it.
0: Oh my God! Nice. So, so I was looking at the uh the
2: different cursed people. Wait. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, it's, some, a, it's a cookbook. It is actually
0: depending on what <laughs> monster you're playing, right? Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so <laughs> yeah. the the pledge levels are are pretty cool in the Kickstarter here. Um, so you know for twenty five dollars, well let me let me start at the very top. So for ten dollars, um, you can get uh, the immediate access to the working draft, of course, and uh, and of course a pretty uh, PDF of Frost and Fang. Twenty five, you've got the uh, print which mark, which is. Um, a soft cover print compilation of the World of Morden books um, and the printed version includes uh, the content from sand and stone right really cool uh, and then at sixty dollars you've got um, uh, this is the the complete accursed ebook collection. is that correct, including the uh, GM screen and the double poker deck
1: um, our novellas? are not included, so it's game, all the games. All the, the gaming
0: related, right, yeah. right, yeah. okay. And then at 250 you've got the, um, now what I did notice is at the 60 level you're not getting a print copy, correct? That's correct. Getting, right, okay. And then at 250 you're getting the, um, uh, that's the print which marked plus a piece of artwork dedicated to a character or Bane you create in cooperation with the creative team. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I'm excited about that one. Yeah, who's do you have a, a particular artist uh, working on that one in mind yet, or
1: we have artists we want to use, but until we have the money, we can't commit to contract.
3: It's gonna it's gonna depend on how we do on the Kickstarter, but we have guys lined up ready to go. It's just yeah. a question of of because we got six of them out there, and one is already bought, so there's five left. If you want if you want one, go and get one now because there's only five left. Right. and we're we got 19 days left to go in this thing. So, yeah, go get them now. But yeah, it's going to depend on how well we do here. We'd love to get uh you know a lot of illustrations done uh, for people's stuff. I would you know I'd love to see you know tons more NPCs and
1: critters and characters and stuff like that. Without naming artists, um, it's safe to say that the artists that we are already using would be likely to be the ones doing this. We're not going to just, you know, troll DeviantArt and find somebody that can do really (laughs) impressive stick figures. Right. Um, I don't want to slam DeviantArt. uh, I love DeviantArt. It's a fantastic site. It it is a fantastic site. I I use it, no question about it, and I refer people to it, but, yeah, there's...
0: Yeah, there's a certain level of quality you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like you're doing Order of the Stick type, you know, illustrations here.
1: Hey, you know well, what? If, if, if could, <laughs> we could get rich to do one, I'm on credit
3: betting could fifty. <laughs> yeah, you're damn right. If we could get a rich, brewery, my
0: God, that would be amazing. Oh man.
2: Oh, By the way, fun. if I win the Powerball tonight, I'm totally gonna rent a Ross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> so that, so that takes us
0: to the last one. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, and this is a limit three of three, <laughs> um, and it's a uh, two thousand dollars. You can rent a Ross. Ross will travel to you to run a weekend. A weekend of a curse. That means no sleep, Ross. <laughs> that's <laughs> no, a whole weekend. No, all you that, got me
3: for the whole weekend. Forty-eight yeah, that's hours.
0: That's right. That's right. And does that include Friday night? Sure. Awesome. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, airfare and hotel are included. And um, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's really cool.
3: Basically, all you got to provide is a place to play and some people to show up at the table. I'll bring everything else.
0: Nice. Cool. Uh, I do want to point on out.
3: one
1: thing at the $10 pledge level. Um, yeah. Our stretch goals, at least the first two, will be included in that. So people who get Frost and Fang, should they be funded, will also get Science in the Sea
2: and Bone and Barrow. Right. Wow, that makes it. ten. That, that, that pledge level a pretty amazing value.
0: Yeah, you it's just convinced me to drop my pledge to $10. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, those books will go into the twenty-five dollar level too.
0: Right. Yeah, that's true. But you know, no I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, so I will say the only thing that I was a little curious about. Um, I was trying to find a way to get the print version of this, but also the complete ebook because I don't have a lot of the supplements yet from in PDF format.
3: So that, don't you
2: just don't you just buy them in add-ons? I didn't see them.
1: Yeah, add ons. Veteran of Kickstarter. If you look past stretch goals mm-hmm. and past pledge level, <laughs> under add ons, the print add on option, um, A Cursed World of More Than standard, hard cover, standard soft cover at $25 is the third print add on.
2: I
0: feel stupid now. <laughs> That's great. Ron, why don't you take over hosting? Because uh,
2: obviously. You know, hey, I... I'm, I'm, I'm just enjoying the train wreck. I mean, the show. <laughs> right on can I can
3: I give a quick shout out really quick, guys?
2: Train wrecks are fun to
3: watch. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks, I really appreciate it. See the thing is, um we I gotta just do a quick shout out to all of the fans and backers of Accursive because we could not do any of this without the support of our uh, the people who love to play in this world. Uh, John tells me it's one of the highest selling Settings uh, for Savage Worlds that you can find on DriveThruRPG, and that is just amazing. And the creators, John, myself, and Jason, we're all just humbled by the amount of support and and excitement that people have for the setting. And and if you know okay. if this keeps going, we will be happy to do more accursed books. We will be happy to you know extend this line out and write like all kinds of crazy stuff for you and your game. So we really appreciate it. From from on on behalf of John and Jason and myself, I want to give a deep. Gratitude and, and thank you to all of the, the backers.
1: Here, here, Ross. Here, here. Yes.
0: Well, you're welcome. <laughs> 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 no, that is, uh, yeah, it is. It is uh, really. First of all, I, I feel like a really hits a lot of uh, presses a lot of buttons for me, as far as um, uh, just uh, themes that it touches on. Um, one, I like fantasy settings. It's always been my my preference. I love the idea of playing a monster. I love the idea of this concept of like you know redemption as a theme and uh, things like that um and it's and it's gotta it, I, I feel like there's there's still a connection to real world in terms of the cultures and whatnot that I can sort of glom onto and then extrapolate from there to then you know bring to my my role playing experience which I think is great um you guys you guys did a great job on this product so what i
2: what I love about Accursed is that to me. It feels like exactly what Savage Worlds is all about. Mm-hmm.
3: Fast, fun, and furious.
2: Well, not just that, but I mean, like it's all about. If if you look at all the stuff that's come out for it over the years, it, it's all about taking a concept and turning it just slightly on its ear. Yeah, um, that's true for the settings. It's also true for the way you actually manipulate the rules if you're doing it right. Right. <laughs> and yeah. and and so, so well, that's really, what setting rules are, right? Yeah, so. right, totally. And so, a curse it is is, I mean, it belongs. I I I can imagine it under other rule sets, but those people would be doing it wrong. <laughs> Let's be honest You would
0: say that about any Savage World setting. That's not, that's,
2: that's not true. That's not true. There are Savage World settings I would put into other systems. Mostly ones I don't like, but that's another <laughs> story. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, when we first came up with Accursed and we sat down to talk about how we wanted to do it, uh, the very first thing we all basically agreed on was that Savage Worlds was the, the perfect fit mm-hmm. uh, for the idea. Uh, that's not to say that it won't, it can't, or won't fit other settings or uh, no, other no, systems. No. But that's that's really our the first place we went with it, absolutely.
2: I I actually uh, will will say that I think it would be interesting for Thirteenth Age because of the icons concept. Oh yeah, that's a good um, point. But but uh, that that if I was going to pick another system for it, I would probably pick Thirteenth Age. But but really, it does run on all cylinders for Savage Worlds. It just totally makes sense as a product. Um, on top of being, you know, well crafted um, in all aspects and being gorgeous and all that stuff. So, what I really like is that it gives my uh, horror companion a single purpose. <laughs> it
0: gives it focus, you know. Nice. But no, it's you true because it's like I, when I when I first got the horror companion, what I really used it for initially was um, uh, basically salvaging pieces out of it, right, and to use for my own conversions and sure. brews and stuff like that and then um, and then but it's like oh here's a whole setting
2: that uses it right and it's it's perfect yeah yeah Thanks. the horror companion is a great book and and seeing stuff that uses it it's also why I like you to you also you know I mean it's there's another one right there yeah. thin blue line yeah I mean <laughs> nice.
1: Yeah, that's, that's another use book. for your horror companion right here
2: that's true such a great book
0: I know it is it really is God, I have too many books you guys are putting out <laughs> too much stuff well and then my friends are all like hey can you run a zombie
2: game I'm like yeah fine <laughs> you know I'm uh, you know I, I have to I have to put it out there man I mean if I if I win the Powerball everybody should re- vote for me to win the Powerball you know somehow and <laughs> I'll do a ritual because I'm going to run all the stuff I want to run <laughs> That's about seven seven days of gaming for Ron. We'll do some cooperative rolls. Yeah, uh, <laughs> everybody, uh,
0: save your bennies. You know? There you yeah. go.
2: <laughs> I think there's I don't some think uh, ritual. Uh, any more disc-
1: Kickstarter's if I hit it, but hey. I, right, right. There you go. I,
2: there, there's some ritual rules in the uh, horror companion we might be able to use. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so since we're since we are talking about uh, some other products here, um, this would be a good segue to uh, kind of open the discussion um, well first of all, before we get there are are you are you thinking yet about you kind of briefly hinted at future products for accursed are there is there more stuff that you're looking to do I mean you don't have to say what it is but you know, do you have those ideas like waiting, like, okay, let's see where this goes and then we'll do that next thing?
1: When we did the initial accursed Kickstarter, we plotted out stretch goals to a hundred and fifty thousand dollars.
3: We were really, really, really ambitious.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so no, it's no. safe to say that yes, we have more ideas that go far beyond Anything that we've announced, will we achieve them? Uh, well, you know, Ross and I are both middle-aged; we got some time left.
2: <laughs> <laughs> as long as you can write faster than George R.R. Martin, you'll be know, fine.
3: That's
0: it; you're good. You're good to go, and stay healthy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, oh, I've got a ton of Jordan.
3: books I would love to write for for Cursed. So, yeah, absolutely, we've got more stuff. Uh, you know, more stuff in the
2: pipeline. If we if we uh, if the demand is there, we will meet it. Nice. That's right. If you if you buy it, vote with your wallet. Right. I tell people no applause. Just throw money. Just throw money. Even if you don't want a product, just throw money at it. Yeah. Right. Right. Just you know, let's just skip it. Let's just throw money. Right. Fry his cash
0: extended. <laughs> so. Uh, a really cool product that you guys came out with was savage layers and uh, we talked about it on on the SBN news so cool that is a really cool product i could see something like wow. that um or even using that product that specific product in uh in a cursed as well well yeah definitely. obviously but i could even see like you know those types of um encounters you know like sample encounters uh for you know specific specific for a cursed as a as a product idea as well Wait, did you say Savage Layers? Yes. I thought it was Savage Liars. John, I have to go
1: edit my work. <laughs>
3: <laughs> ben.
1: <laughs> yeah, so we would very I would very much like to have Malior do more Savage Layers books. And um that comes back to that whole responsible business thing that I yeah. talked about from the start. Makes sense. Yeah. Where we've got to, I've got to make sure that I'm at least recouping the expenses that went out on that first book. Mm -hmm. Um, PDF sales are fantastic. Um, I love the lack of risk associated with them, but um, it takes a lot of them and it's not a huge market, so uh, I'm hoping that we'll know within a couple of months where the numbers are on that book, because I very much want to do a Savage Layers Fantasy Mountains, a Savage Layers Modern Backstreets, a Savage Layers Science Fiction Space Stations. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those could all be fantastic products that would be very useful to the Savage Worlds GM in a variety of different settings, but yeah. um, I, I've got to make sure that you know I can afford to make them before I start the work on them.
0: Yeah, and actually, I just realized that there's probably uh, listeners or or viewers that might not know what Savage Layers is. Do you want to give a brief description of that?
1: Sure. So it's a 63-page book Um, I I do not have at hand, um, which every page is a statted out monster and an encounter to go with that monster. And the whole point of it is when your players go off your map and decide that, Tonight's game session is not going to be what you planned. You can grab the book, roll a die to pick a page number, and bam, you've got an encounter that at least fills the time while you try to figure out how to get the players back maybe in the general direction of your plot. Right. (laughs) Brownie golems,
3: by the way, are in that book.
2: That's one of my encounters for Savage Layers. Brownie golems. Right. Hold on a second. Now is this a golem that's made of brownies?
3: Yeah, like the little little pixie
2: guys. Oh man, I was hoping it would be a golem that
0: like actual of, baked goods. I'm, I'm imagining, <laughs> I was imagining that meme, you know, with the little you know, brownie with the fangs, you know, the
2: <laughs> Everybody drop your weapons and eat it. Yeah. <laughs> Just eat it.
0: <laughs> By the way, I saw the coolest thing on the internet, and I love the internet for things like this. It was uh, brownies. Um made to look like the Necronomicon from Evil Dead. Wow. Awesome. That was fantastic. Uh-oh.
3: Now, you know, before you get too crazy, uh, Savage Lairs is, is a great book. I'm glad to have you know, been a part of it. And I, honestly, I don't think anybody's ever brought up the idea of doing one for Accursed before Christian did. And that's a cool idea, by the way. I want to point that out. Uh, but yeah, Savage Lairs, uh, John's got a great handle on it, and if he does more, I just kinda hope he asked me to write for him because they were pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
0: And disclaimer: It does not guarantee that your players will get back <laughs> on track. Which, <laughs> so. No, it does not. Right. But they're going to have a lot of
3: fun being distracted by all the cool stuff in the book. Exactly. I mean, we got. That's everything. all that matters. Yeah. We got everything from like a swarm of wasps to a mischievous nixie to I mean, you name it. Uh, so it's all kind of fun stuff in there.
0: Yeah, and it's really, the bookmarks and whatnot, the table of contents, it's, it's really well organized in terms of browsing it just for ideas as well. So kudos kudos on that aspect as well. Thank you. So, Ross, you've you've got something that you're working on as well.
3: Yeah, that's right. Um, coming up in February, we're going to do a Kickstarter for a thing called Aaron Alston's Strike Force. Now, Strike Force is a superhero setting RPG book, and it actually came out in 1988. I can show you guys what it looked like in 1988. Wow. And this was a really interesting book. It was the first time that anybody had actually said, here's how you run a superhero RPG campaign. It was the first time that anybody said that dif- players, different players want different things out of your game. They expect different things out of the experience. And Aaron was, this was actually a, a really re- revelatory, revelatory book, because he would say, like, here's the top 10 ways to ruin your campaign. Here's all the things I did wrong and how I corrected them and stuff like that. So uh, he was working on a new version of this when he died, and uh, unfortunately, when he passed on in, in 2012. So uh, friends of Aaron, like myself and Jason Walters and Mike Surbrook, uh, we got together and, and decided to try to finish what he started. We're going to get this new version of Aaron Olsen Strike Force Out, uh, incorporating a lot of Aaron's work, but also incorporating some work for some great superhero RPG guys of the modern era like Steve Kenson and Sean Patrick Fannin. And so it's going to be this, this awesome book that's going to tell you how to do a long-term campaign. It's going to show you Aaron's campaign setting that he worked on. You know, He evolved through actual play over 22 years. Right? It's like a whole multiverse of different uh, places for your superheroes to visit. It is super badass. And it's also going to be a tribute to a, a giant in our industry and actually in the Star Wars community, uh, Aaron Alston. So a very creative guy. And I think anybody who's looking for a book that will kind of help them run a badass superhero RPG campaign that people will remember years from now, Strike
0: Force is going to be that product for you. Nice. Very Nice. And is that gonna be a Kickstarter?
3: Yeah, we're we're launching we're kicking that off uh uh early
0: February. Oh nice. Okay, so that's soon, yeah. That's wow. Cool.
2: Just when I thought I was gonna be away from
0: Kickstarter for a while. I
2: get <laughs> <the> hold <laughs> back in.
0: <laughs> and I, I actually just got an email uh from somebody I don't want to say just yet, who's doing another Kickstarter that I'm just like, You gotta be kidding, you're killing me. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. So um
3: this is this is the new industry. This is the industry, you know, the gaming industry since 2013 yeah. has pretty much been this. This is how you get your idea out into the world.
0: And it works. It works. Yeah. And and I think it's, you know, just as, as Ron said earlier, voting with your wallet, right? You know, it it uh, you get a good sense of whether people want it or not and whether you you know, you're you're hitting the mark or not with the yeah, uh, product concept. It's
1: immediate feedback and mm-hmm. they're just hasn't been
0: any other way to
1: achieve that level of immediacy in business in general until this level.
3: But you got to do it smart. If you want to get it done right right, you got to do it smart and that's why John Dunn is such a a valuable part of of my circle of friends, because I can go to John and be like, "Dude, what? How do we make this happen? Right.
0: Does this make sense? You know, yeah, exactly. The risks, exactly. You
3: yeah. got to do your research on this kind of stuff, or you'll end up with vaporware. Unfortunately, nobody wants that, right? We. No. Fortunately for me and and John, we both have you know, proven track records of getting Kickstarters out with all of the. The things fulfilled, so Indeed. that's great. You know, but we've got to build on that success and keep that level of, of satisfaction going if we want to be able to still be creators and still get great products out there into the world.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So one uh, one other product I want to ask about um, and it's associated with an existing product, the cast of cards for Accursed. Um, do you think there might be more of those, especially with the new creatures that are coming with these products? I can definitively tell you yes. Awesome. Woohoo! Yeah, Woo-hoo! Uh,
1: they The Cast of Cards products uh, from Warning Label, They as soon as they got an inkling of us doing another Kickstarter, they wanted to know if they'd be able to use the creatures from it, and we said, absolutely you'll be able to use the creatures from it. That is so, awesome. Yes, the material we're creating for World of Morden will come to Cast of Cards. I can't guarantee you it'll come to Cast of Cards immediately, but it will be coming to
0: them. If, if you talk to those guys, one thing I think would be cool if, if they uh, sort of ex- expanded their products a little bit, is having uh, a card that also has uh, infinite illustration is available, having the illustration of the monster on it as well. Oh, um, that would like, be cool. Like, you just hold it up and show it to your, to your players and say, this is what it looks like. Like a flash card. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it just would, throw that out there. Yeah. You know. It would
1: probably mean uh, adding another card to the deck to be yeah. able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which... It would affect costs um, right. for buyers. And I, I I'm not part of their business plan, so I can't speak to that.
0: No, no, I, yeah, But, if, just, but if they're
3: listening, this is what the people want. That'd
0: <laughs> be cool. Or maybe have, you know, like options like for different decks, right? You can buy the one with it, you can buy the one without it, or buy it as a separate deck, right? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. You
3: know, something that's truly badass about a I don't know if you guys know this, but it's actually a worldwide phenomenon. There's some guys down in Brazil called Retropunk. Yeah. And they ran a Kickstarter specifically to uh, translate all of the accursed stuff into Portuguese. Oh wow! Uh, for the for their their Brazilian RPG community down there, and it it went like gangbusters. They got it done. And uh, John, I mean, you can talk more about this, but it was it was really
1: exciting for us to be going. Wow, there's guys like
3: halfway across the freaking globe playing our game yeah. and loving
1: it. It it's, it's awesome. Of the equator, because yeah. My Facebook feed is now about a third Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Speak or read Portuguese. So I'm constantly that's... going, okay, auto translate. What is that? Oh, that's good.
2: Thanks. <laughs> you get that?
0: Yeah, I, I started following uh, Savage Worlds Italia and um, uh, what was the other one? The, oh, the, the Polish. Uh, Gram- well, Grammal does both, sure. but there's another one, I think. Uh, there's the
1: also, uh, I believe it's Studio 101.
0: Yeah, Russian.
1: The Russian one. Uh, yeah. We do have an agreement with them. Nice. Uh, still a work in progress.
0: Yeah, that'll feel a lot like home for them, won't it?
1: Well, Stepangrad certainly will.
0: They'll be yeah. like, "Oh yes, I know this." Book. Oh yeah, yes, <laughs> I know that guy. <laughs> That's yeah.
2: Or they'll be like Stepangrad. Wait, where are we writing this? <laughs> That's not what I'm afraid of. Yeah. They're going to make it look like the United States. <laughs> oh no, that'd be awesome.
0: Yeah.
1: Awesome, awesome. Yes, uh, awesome. Lady Liberty is their witch.
0: That's right. That's right.
2: That actually, we we
0: are not making any political commentary on that by the way that's not in, to imply <laughs> no, any sort totally. of yeah oh good times good times all right well uh, we are we are at the end of the hour so Gosh, uh, this has been so fun yeah yeah thank you so much thank we you. don't we didn't end up with a with any questions uh, in the Q&A so uh, we're good there <laughs> um thank you so much for coming on this this has been a blast wow. and this
1: has been a ball for me too thanks a lot for yeah. the chance to yeah. chat
0: This has been great. And uh, it's great to meet you, uh, Ross, as well, for the first time. So uh, it was was a pleasure, very much so. Thank
3: you very much. It was great to be on the show with you guys and be back,
0: you know, on the air with
3: Ron again.
2: Right. This makes, like, time number
3: six, seven. I I don't (laughs) even know
2: anymore. (laughs) I don't even know anymore, man. You don't have to say that just to make them feel better. By the way, don't I mean, feel <laughs> obligated. <laughs> hey, I've had a tough couple of weeks, man. Let, him, I'm sorry. let him fill me
0: up a little bit. I'm man. sorry. <laughs> I'll play nice. I'll play nice. All right. Well, no, again, thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you all so much again. And um, yeah, we're looking forward to uh, to seeing where the Kickstarter goes and how far we get with it. And uh, congratulations on funding within the first 24 hours. So. Thank, thank, you. thank you guys.
3: That's that's awesome. Thanks. Hey, by you the way. way. if you're... If you're having a game with Ron, make sure you get a cool chase scene through Marketplace. That's all I'm saying.
2: <laughs>
0: nice. <laughs> Will do. Will do. Good times. John,
2: I'm
1: sorry <laughs> I cut you off. Go ahead. I was just going to say, and again, thank you to all the fans who were kind enough to support us in the Kickstarter. We couldn't be doing this without all of your help. Absolutely.
0: Indeed. All right. Well, uh, thank you for joining us. And. Um, you know, if you want to, if for those of you who are watching and listening, uh, you can visit our website at www.savagebloggers.net. We've got links to all sorts of stuff. We got the aggregated RSS uh, SBN feed there. We've got our YouTube channel where you can watch this hangout uh, if you'd like to and see all the funny faces on it. And um, and of course, we have our podcasts and whatnot. And uh, Ron should be putting out Simply Savage episode four
2: <clears throat> sometime in the near future. <laughs> And um It's so close to done and it's all so my fault. Close. I can't even I can't even go there. I'm just giving you a hard time, man. I
0: love you. Uh but uh whatever you guys do until next time. Uh keep it fast, furious, and
2: fun. Hey, uh is this where I get to put in a dumb joke? Yes, it is. Uh did you know that a steak pun is a rare medium done well? Oh. oh. Wow.
0: Alright, you I hate you so Gosh.
2: much.
0: <laughs> Damn. <laughs> All right. And with that, good night,
2: everybody. Good night. Good night.